You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith and I have my co-host Ethan Broca sitting beside me. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Hey. We are both certified financial planners and uh, each of us have master's degrees, one in financial analysis, one in financial planning. My man Ethan here. That's right. He's a planning guru, um, a, virtu- a virtuoso of financial planning. So it's, we're all very uh, honored to have you here, Ethan. <laughs> Share some of that vast wisdom and knowledge. Well, thank you very much. You imparted on us. Nice to be here. And uh, this show is really designed to educate you um, and learn ourselves. We're all on a journey here. And what we're looking for is a better way of framing the investment and financial planning decision-making that all of us need to face. And uh, the idea behind the name Empirical has to do with our ties to the research side of things, the fact that we don't just take an opinionated view on things, but we look for empirical support or evidence that would substantiate the approach that we are um, proffering as a alternative. You say proffering? Isn't that a word? Proffering? I'm not sure. Maybe. Look it up. I bet it is. Look it up. You're pretty smart, so I would imagine you're using real words. Yeah, I'm trying. I try. Um, we want you to make a lifetime of smarter financial decisions. And investing in reality, uh, while raw laws, tax rules, um, planning strategies, all that is very dynamic and you need to stay on top of it. Part of the reason we believe you should have a financial advisor, uh, because it is a very dynamic area, um, and that advisor should be within a well-coordinated team that includes tax and estate and other asset protection Expertise, usually a general certified financial planner has enough uh, knowledge in all those areas to be able to be a part and guide that team with you. Right. Right? Right. And, and, and then usually, uh, you would want to coordinate all of that with a sound investment strategy that addresses all of your personal values and circumstances and the combination of which, um, we would look at as wealth management. There's a lot of different definitions and people calling themselves wealth management, but I think that's what our view of that would be, right, Ethan? Yeah, you're right. The coordinated effort between not just the investments, but also the different areas of your financial planning life as well. So part of what we want to do for advisors and for individual investors on this program is just to bring up concepts and ideas uh, and help differentiate between what is sound, time-tested, empirically-tested um, evidence uh, that can be applied and what is an evolution in terms of uh, investment product and strategies that should be changed or more dynamic? And I think the, the lines between those two sometimes get blurred and confusing. That brings me to a topic I'd love to talk about today, Ethan, after you give out our information and our call to action. All right. Uh, which would be a client question. I know we have the, the question um Segments we used to call our 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 mail bag. I think it was. Hey, I love the song. You 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 you've got mail. It's mail. It's here. Ooh. 
Still up from uh, 12 months ago. Wow. Yeah, or we are up from 12 months ago, a little bit down. We had a nice little run-up at the uh, end of the last week. Yeah. Um, but the market is uh, apparently, according to market news here, a little skittish about the jobs report that will be coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so stocks edge down as uh, there was, you know, um, the uh, U.S. jobs report is expected to show tepid growth. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, they had that. The gang, we had last last Friday. We had a gangbusters day on on the on the stock market. Friday. It was the strongest three day run this year. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Now investors are stepping back. Yeah, they, it was capped with a what was it? Almost a two and a half percent run on the on the Dow that particular day, last Friday. Yeah, pretty yeah. amazing. And it just goes to show you how fast and severe markets can turn and the danger of that. So. Looks like Ethan's in business. We've got uh, just a couple of things here we'll point out. So the S&P 1367, uh, a year ago it was 1337. Five-year treasuries currently yielding 0.67, Ethan. Wow. That's down from last week. Um, Ten-year treasury at 1.6%, um, about the same. Wow. And uh, if we look at, uh, say, five-year tax-free munis, 0.81 on average, ten years at 1.91%. So a 10-year equivalent, um, tax equivalent yield would be at about a 28% tax rate, would be about 2.65, if uh, Elliot did his math correctly. Um, I'm sure he did. You, yeah, you, you wouldn't doubt him. Uh, corporates, 5-year 108, uh, and 10-year 2.54 average, according to Bloomberg. Um, what you have here, Ethan, on the 5-year uh, inflation-protected treasury. Okay. Negative 1.15 is the current yield. That's down uh, from negative 1% last week. Wow. Uh, And the 10-year negative 0.55. Wow. Um, Down a little bit from last week. Mm -hmm. Key rates, prime rate unchanged at 3.25%. One-year CD average 0.7, 7 tenths of a percent now. You've got uh, 30-year mortgage at 3.66 3.66 was 3.63 on average last week, so huh. still pretty low. Real low. And uh, if anyone has any questions about financing, um, the addressing the home purchasing issue and what type of financing, we'd love to. I'd love to tackle some of that and talk about it. Um, the dollar uh, pretty much unchanged against various currencies. Gold was uh, up a little bit, sixteen ten an ounce. It was fifteen fifty six last week. This time, Ethan. Uh-huh. Crude oil up uh, looks like ten dollars a barrel from last week. Um, it was a hundred, hundred point five two was ninety one. Fair enough. Almost in I guess time. Um, what else can I tell you right now, Ethan? Um, so for last year, the S&P is only up 2.22%. I thought I'd look into some of the... Uh, hey, do you, asset, have, the, what? Do you have the global, the global Dow on that sheet? Um, like I didn't, he didn't put the global Dow on that. Oh, he doesn't. Um, All right. But uh, let's, let's, switch over to, um, so let's switch over to some of the asset class funds I track through Dimensional. Okay. And see what's cooking. So year to date, um, as of now, what do you think the number one performing... Equity asset or uh, growth asset classes. Um, let's see here. So year to date, 
Yeah. I'm going to guess... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Emerging markets. I'm just, just spitballing here. I don't know. No, mi amigo. It's uh, real estate, the U.S. and international. So the U.S. real estate REITs, 16.48%. And uh, international REITs year-to-date, the return is 16.21. That is very juicy. Did we just replay the drizzle is dripping from the drizzle of the year? What? I remember then last year we, we looked at the, the uh, returns for the asset classes for the whole year. And last year as well, it was real estate, domestic real estate. Well, it is very interesting because I think a lot of people um, were worried about real estate. Um, yeah. If you think back. Um, and we can talk all about that. We could also talk about, is it a good time to purchase um, individual real estate? Wow. And one of the things I've said, do you want to just pause on that? For sure, a second? let's pause on that. We've got a long show here. We have three segments. All, it might be interesting to you. We're out there c- contemplating this. Yeah. But my thing, I think sometimes people forget that when you're making an investment decision and you can make a decision to be active or passive in that, in that process, I could own, go out and buy a house, for example. I could buy an apartment building. I could buy a condo, whatever the particular asset class is. But if I start by asking some real questions about what I'm trying to accomplish rather than chase, because in the stock world, we always talk, we talk about the mistake of starting the whole process with which stock you want to own rather than, you know what I mean, looking at, say, Microsoft versus Apple versus some other stock and letting that be the beginning and the end of your investment plan right. and process versus that being the very, very, very last thing you would ad- address. Hey, should I even have stock? You know, are stocks a good investment for me should be a, a bigger question. And then if I do, how much of it should I allow myself to be exposed to? Then what groups of stocks would I want to own and so on until you finally get down to a decision of, hey, well, I, do I feel comfortable owning any individual stocks and what are the ramifications of that? I think the real estate process can be very similar. And part of that process is if you're just owning it as a diversifier away from, hey, I'm fed up with the stock market. I'm fed up with bonds because there's no yield. So I, I think I could make money in real estate. And maybe, you know, that was the case prior to the bubble, but now maybe people are coming back around to that. And I'm not saying that that's not okay, but I think to the, the degree that you look at the alternatives. So if you are going to pick an individual stock instead of an entire index of stocks, one of the questions you should ask yourself in terms of what am I trying to accomplish is, am I, do I think I will get a better rate of return owning that one stock than the rest of the market? If you don't start with that question, then you're making a bad decision if the stock is expected to do the same or less and your overall objective in reality was to beat the stock market, right? And then you'd want to have another discussion, which is how much risk am I taking if I do that? So do I take any additional risk by choosing to own that one stock or maybe just a small number instead of owning all 500? And what are the return differences I should expect? Now, the way we attack that, the empirical way we attack that, that the, the answer to that question would be, what does research show us about choosing stocks? You know, if we, if we created small portfolios of one or two stocks, what would research indicate? 
um, would we would we typically get rewarded right for the amount of risks that we take doing that or or not? And in the real estate side of it, um, one of the things that people tend to discount when they're going out and buying individual real estate is that there is the ability to gain access to real estate as an asset class in a broad sense, not just one particular, say, uh, single-family housing or um, apartment building, but in a very broad sense, um, you can do that and gain access to the returns of that. And so the real comparison should be, hey, for me having to do very little work and have limited uh, risk, what return could I generate in a passive investment? Yeah, no, no capital calls with the REITs. There's no capital call, right? right? The REIT's not going to call you and say, hey, the roof just caved in. What are we going to do? Right. They've got to figure that out. That's got to be built into the fund. There's got to be reserves. There's got to be. So the real true advantage I, I see when you're owning individual real estate is the leverage aspect of it and some of the tax-specific um, to the degree that the tax code allows you to to benefit from owning real estate actively and directly, combined with being able to use leverage. There's something there, but you now, to me, when you start to do that, you are definitely crossing into a more active, um, almost as a self-employment type of situation. Um, it no longer becomes a passive investment. And so it's okay, you just need to understand that, in my view. You know what I'm saying, Ethan? Do you have any comments? I do, and I would add one thing. If you're looking at particularly individual stocks, as opposed to an index, as in your example, um, asking yourself the question, hey, do I know more about this particular stock than the market does? If the answer is no, then more likely than not, you should not buy the individual stock. You should buy a diversified portfolio. Right. Which is going to be the case most of the time, right? My view on that is that you should never buy an individual stock unless you're ready it, it, you should uh, uh, treat that the same way you would treat walking into a casino. Don't put money in you're not willing to lose. Fair enough. I think we have to take a quick break. We'll come back and continue on with our market update here on the asset classes. Be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, and we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio, your co-host, Ethan Broca, alongside uh, our, my, my friend and, and host here, Ken Smith. Um, That's if you'd like nice to, of you, Ethan. Thanks. If you'd like to join the show, give us a call at 866-472-5790. Uh, you can reach us at uh, email as well at contact at empiradio.com. And, and Ken, right before the break, we are just talking about the – you were extrapolating on the concept of um, using real estate and how, how – a lot of times we, as investors, aren't really comparing our real estate investment, if you say a, a single-family home or, or a rental property or something, to a, a viable alternative, which is to own real estate in, in a diversified sense in REITs. Yeah, what I'm trying to do, and I do it sometimes, I, I do apologize in a, in a roundabout way, I guess, is to get you to think on the rational side um, of things instead of the gut emotion. Because we're on the ground looking at properties. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but once you make... A decision maybe to buy a house um it is incredibly emotional sure. um, you get excited yeah you know you start looking at places you're walking around you're seeing it uh it definitely influences the way that you think you start visualizing your furniture in places you start thinking about your kids ethan playing in yeah in the backyard right and, um you know you you going down the slip and slide with them and running and, and doing that um all of that stuff starts coming into play. And <laughs> you, you know we have a perfect backyard for the slip and slide, right? <laughs> of course. It's, yeah, right. it's slanted, yeah. <laughs> uh, with a giant mud pit at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point on that is it's when you – for a lot of us, the same thing can happen when we're picking individual real estate investment properties. Um, once we're looking at them physically, you know, you get excited about the area or the location and you lose sight of – the, some of the rational side of the mechanics of, is this a good financial decision? Is this the best possible use of my capital? And most of us as individuals don't fairly track our, our risk and our return all net, everything all in. Um, we look at the opportunity 
and we kind of discount the other things, particularly the more the emotional connection. So when we look at reads, I was just looking while we were on break. I um, the data on on just uh, like DFA's read index yep. for the last three years that uh, the U.S. read is up thirty two point eight seven per year. So we've had a, a pretty consistent wow. allocation to REITs over the last 10-plus years, Ethan, that we've been managing client portfolios uh-huh. in the strategies. And for the last 10 years, it's up 10.25% per year. So how many of us could have done better than that running around buying houses you know, for the last 10 or 3 years? Um, that's not bad for having... Not all the you know none of the liability that you would normally experience. Yeah, none of the involvement. Um, yeah. So I, what I the point I wanted to drive home is if you allow yourself to think about it rationally, you would say, "Hey, it's not the fact that maybe you've done okay in your house, or maybe people I know lots and lots of people who've done really well over long periods of time owning real estate, but I've also met lots of people who have bought a few stocks and they they." said, hey, I put this amount in 30 years ago, and look at it now. It's grown to this huge amount. And inflation has a big part of that, right? But in reality, when you look at the return and you said, well, I could have owned the S&P and for the last 50 years got 10% a year, on the stock you own, you got actually got 8%. It's not in isolation. It's compared to the alternatives and adjusted for the risk. If you own that stock and got 8%, that's not a good deal at all. Right. But it's easy to convince ourselves that it is, right, that we did great because we're not looking at the proper alternative. We're not looking at it correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, our minds have this way. We All of us have, uh, I think it's built in. We want to feel good about what we're doing. Otherwise, it would require us to change our, our, our course of action a lot of times. And so we make up things in our mind or discount things in our mind that we really should be including when we really fully measure things. Yeah, I like what you're saying. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So year to date, We'll quickly breeze through a few of these others. So real estate, um, both U.S. and international, have been the uh, top performing at both over 16%. Now, that's interesting. Year-to-date micro-cap uh, stocks up 11% on the DFA micro-cap fund. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty cool. Uh, U.S. small value up 10.85 year-to-date. Nice. U.S. small up 10.82 um, emerging markets, small cap now up 9.6. Now I gotta believe some of this has to do with the recent, the bump we had last week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, your U.S. large value, uh, 9.51. And then you've got your emerging markets, um, general, just total emerging markets portfolio, 6%. Uh, emerging markets valued about 6%. Large cap, uh, International small value, 5.57. Their international small, 5.37. Um, and then large international, 4.8. So it'd be like the EFA mm-hmm. index. Mm-hmm. Um, and down the list, what I was looking for was, a, was just the general U.S. large where we were on that. Oh, so the general uh, U.S. looks like a large company up about... Uh, 10.4. 10. 10.4. 10. Uh-huh. Okay, good. So that's kind of an, o- an overview. Yeah. That's not bad year to date in reality. It really is. I mean, geez, you get last week was a pretty good week, it looks like. About a, for some things, a 4% week. Yeah. Pretty amazing. 
And uh, your inflation-protected securities year-to-date up 4.73%. So I'd throw that in. Wait a minute. So they have a negative yield, but they've, they've returned 4.73%. That's right. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Prices have been continuing to rise in that area, it looks like. Do you have any other thoughts on that, Ethan? No, no I don't. No, All right, no. let's move along. Okay. Hey, so what I was going to talk about was this, um, the person I was speaking with, uh, was at, was a, uh, you know, question of the week or, you know, we're taking. Okay. You got my, <clears throat> was, well, I read a book, um, they had read, had read a book, and in that, the author had made a comment that, um, or the crux of the, bu- the book was that in the past, um, Buying and holding groups of stocks, like being in the market and just holding it, it worked out, right? It was it was a good approach. Um, but now in today's volatile economic and global marketplace, that that strategy is no longer valid, that it requires for investors to be successful. Uh, it requires a much uh, more active approach to managing your investments. So is that... Is that true? You know, is that the the belief um, that we take or not? Do you want to throw in your comments, Ethan? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, obviously, what's, what say you? I don't. I don't think that's a great idea. I don't think that the market has changed uh, um, to that degree. I, I don't know that just because it seems like more there was more ups and downs, more volatility, which you know may, may be recently true. I suppose. Um, you know, you get we get rewarded with returns because you spend time in the market. That's the the bottom line. And returns happen over time because there's there's usually economic growth. If there isn't an economic growth, and then you're relying for you to pick to be in and out of the market at the right times for your returns. That's a very risky bet. And I don't know how one would be successful in that. The, pa- the track record of that that strategy in the past is terrible. So I don't know why that has changed. Okay. What do you think? Well, I think my response. Um, to that in part is if you're writing books and um, a roller coaster. <laughs> um, if you're writing books it's far easier in my view to take the attitude at whatever time frame we are in history that this is a very uh, unique time period and you need to tune into what I have to say in order to navigate it successfully mm-hmm. Far easier, to, I think, to attract attention in the media, to get put on TV shows, to get book um, deals. Uh, if if you can put uh, some reasonably intelligent argument together to do that, then it is to, to look at the actual research, right, and dig through academic papers and then resummarize that and put a book together that says, hey, this is what the brightest minds in the world think. Um, have shown that that effectively works. Now, what's changed? Let's let's apply that, right? Because from the first research done on efficient markets or even indexing, active versus pet, you didn't have a lot of tools, right? You had one index fund that came out. Um, otherwise, you had to figure out how to how to do that. Now you've got literally thousands of of securities that you can choose from mm-hmm. that are offer passive. Um, diversified, low-cost, tax-efficient access. So now there's a different set of decision-making. The fact that there went from one to hundreds of choices, if not thousands, um, complicates things. and require, That's the part that requires the dynamic uh, 
process of, of understanding and interpreting, making decisions on what to use, right? But the fact that markets are efficient or that it's hard to beat the market, the research done on that, um, until it changes or evolves in a way that we can show with ample evidence that that's not the case, continues on. So if you're looking at a guy who's writing a book and that's his premise is that things have changed, he has the luxury of not having to have evidence on his side. He has the luxury of rewriting the story a little bit and mm-hmm. saying, look, this is what happened. There's a crisis. It just happened. Geez, if you stuck to it you really and you had all stocks, you got hammered. Nobody likes that. Sure. So therefore, but he's... He's get, he has the luxury of neglecting all the research, and not only that, but misinterpreting it. Because when we had Ken French on here, he said nothing went wrong. We expect the, the risk of that we'll, go, we'll have global shocks, we'll have depressions and recessions. Nobody said that that wouldn't happen. Who ever published a paper saying you shouldn't time in and out of the market? They never said, well, we'll never have a time period where we have a global depression. Did they? I mean, not that, to my knowledge. No, the idea, the the premise is much different than that as to why you don't, you don't. Nobody said you don't market time because we'll never have a down market. We'll never have a depression. We'll never have a. Because we are, those guys already know we've had them. That was the value of looking at the empirical data, right? Mm-hmm. Going back and go, wait a minute, we've had these before. Markets are very dynamic. Governments and people can can fall susceptible to fear and greed and all these things, and markets can bubble. They can pop. They can get. That, but that doesn't that doesn't d- negate the the basic arguments, which are you need to be diversified, right? You should never take more risks than you can afford to take. Um, trying to predict these things in advance and consistently to beat the market, evidence shows us that that's not possible on a consistent basis. Um, there's not a, there, there's not a, it's it's the risk of underperforming substantially far outweighs the few people who who randomly do beat the market that way. Mm-hmm. But it's a much more exciting story. It's it's easier. It would be much easier for me to tell people what they want. We know what they want to hear. Sure, sure. But to get on the show, if we could get on like Jim Cramer and say, hey, we're going to give you the the secrets of becoming wealthy beyond your imagination. Um, and all you need to do is follow our easy steps. And forget everything that anyone else has ever told you. Forget all the research that's been done independently. All that's garbage because this is a different time period. That is what people love to hear. That's our natural um, psychology. We want to hear that yeah. and go, yeah, yeah, that's what I need. Um, because to do otherwise requires an immense amount of discipline and patience uh, and faith that the, the system will work. That requires decade, a decade plus time horizons. Not, and we think in very, very short time horizons. Definitely. So the problem I had, and I explained, hey, the problem I have with authors like this is, A, where's their track record? So many of them write books and don't have audited published track records of running money mm-hmm. in, in a, in a, in a, uh, like say an open-ended mutual fund. So where's their track? Well, they don't, they don't, they don't have to worry about that because they can just, anyone can write, I can write stories and say, hey, this is what needs, and not be held accountable to the returns mm-hmm. or the risk. Mm-hmm. That's very easy to do. And it makes a lot of sense why they would be writing so many books about it. Because there's no accountability there. Sure. And even if it's not true, and the person that came to mind was Harry Dent. <laughs> My favorite guy. You remember him, right? Sure, the sure. The roaring... Uh, 2000s. 
The Roaring 2000s. And the, that was supposed to hit 20,000, I believe. It was like 40,000 or something. Um, he interpreted and explained very logically and why rationally. Happen. Yeah, why the internet changed the entire game. And the whole argument was that those old rules of investment really probably don't apply. Right. You know, for a lot of these guys back then as to why you would abandon sound strategy, research strategy, yeah. proven strategy, and go to, you don't do that, you buy uh, the people who are selling the picks to the gold miner kind of thing. Back then it was uh, the technology information. There was different angles of how to how to exploit this wave of opportunity. Right. But in reality, um, the... The research that the whole tortoise and the hare kind of thing, the, the 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 research came to bear out and came consistent that that that's not a great way of doing it, and I'm confident that that will happen in the future. Um, yeah. That anybody who's writing this stuff uh, that doesn't have a legitimately, um, you know, audited even Jim Cramer doesn't have an audited track record, right? He doesn't have a mutual. Why doesn't he launch a mutual fund and and put his money where his mouth is, and only have the, the, the things that he picks on a show in the mutual fund. That should be exactly what the mutual fund does. Um, and he should put a substantial amount of his own money into it. Right? I if agree. I, sure. You and I own the very things that we recommend to everyone. That's right. That's exactly what we do. Yeah. I have my own personal investments in that. As do I. Um, they're, pu- they're publicly traded funds that are published. Yep. So there's no hiding. Right? Right. But why don't they do that? How can they have a show and and make all this money giving advice and never have to be held accountable to it? I don't have an answer for you. Can you come up with one? No. Well, I, I think it's because they're telling us what we want to hear. And so uh, far too many of us are, are would rather buy those stories than actually look to the very boring research, right? Sure. Which re- does require patience and discipline. Um, and faith that that economies in the end will grow. Mm-hmm. Companies are living organisms um, that should be priced relative to their risk and their their opportunities. The best that the market can assess that as right. a whole doesn't mean they'll be always be perfectly priced, but it but it does mean that it's pretty hard to outsmart the rest of the group. Yeah, with publicly known information. Let's pause there for a quick break, Ethan, and we'll come back and uh, talk about this and many other topics. Sounds good. All right. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment, and that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. 
or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, and we're back at Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host, Ethan Broga, alongside <laughs> Ken Smith. Um, if you'd like to join the radio program today, give us a call. We have one more segment left. And uh, if you have a question uh, that happens to be on what we're talking about, that'd be great. Or if you have an alternative um, topic of discussion, please feel free to give us a call. The number is 866-472-5790. Or we can also be reached at contact at empiradio.com. And Ken, just before the break here, while we were finishing up, I think we had maybe some uh, closing thoughts on our discussion about, um, you know, authors in particular uh, who have a particular point of view at any point in time and why that generally isn't a good strategy to follow. Well, we've spent a lot of time, and we're not here to demean other people's you know, strategies or things like that, but what we are here is to be honest with uh our clients, honest with the public who would be willing to listen to this and, uh, and other advisors out there that, you know, in the time that, that I've been doing this, that you've been doing this, mm-hmm. we've certainly looked. And if we could find easy ways to adjust and adapt to whatever the current economic or market environment is and do so in a way where we can be highly profitable and limit risk for our clients, that's what we get paid to do. Right. That's what we, sit here and are up at night thinking about mm-hmm. um, as an advisor. Now, if if the conclusions lead you to evidence that that's not a good approach, but it, it, but it is a great commercial or sales pitch, then you have to make a decision. Now, for most of us individuals, we're not, we're pitching ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we're, if we're doing it ourselves and we're not working with advice, um, while a lot of Wall Street might be pushing that kind of stuff, um, we're making that own our own decision to do that, and it's because that's why Wall Street loves to sell that kind of stuff for people who write these books. Love to sell, because they know that's what makes us feel good. We all want to believe that there's a secret to 
vast wealth with limited risk. Right. Who doesn't want? Who, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't that appeal to? Sure. But what what I wanted to clarify, and what I had said to this client, uh, was they don't have the evidence on their side. They don't have the research to back their thought process. And for me, what that and the other and the academics, what that research is, is in every time period that we've been able to start tracking people managing money, there has been someone to say, and we were talking about Harry Dent a decade ago, right? Yep. You know, he's got some other. But if you go back in time, you'll find somebody who was giving advice uh, or selling books who had some concept about where the next great um, boon was going to be, right? And the problem is that they're so often wrong. That when you actually say, well, in order for me to believe this guy today, I shouldn't believe this guy today because I'm naive enough to think he's the only one that's ever made a prediction that this time it's different. Every single decade, it's someone who was saying this time it's different. Um, so you have to, you have to get rid of that thought out of your mind and realize that what's the guys telling you this time it's different are the guys that are not different at all. It's guys like us that are actually different if we do it by where the money is going and who's following the investment advice. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the guy that says, hey, this time it's different, so here's what you need to be doing this or that and adjusting this or that because this time it's different. Um, but, but the evidence part, let me get back to that. You, realizing then that every time period there's people out there saying this time it's different. And so the best way to evaluate whether their advice was good is to evaluate their performance. What were their return? What, what did they achieve? Did they beat the market, or did they not beat the market? Um, and we talk about author Larry Swedro. He did some good analysis in his books. And you look at some of the brightest. If you look at Frank Russell, major trillions of dollars these guys have advised on. Their whole pitch when I was first getting into this business uh, and was looking working with looking at independent advisors some of which use their, their institutional platform, right. um, where it's, hey, we go out and find the best managers in the world. And we're not even finding the managers who are managing retail, mutual fund money. We're having them put, we're putting these managers together in an institutional place. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're picking the best of the best of the best. And they couldn't beat the mark on in, in many and several of their asset class funds that they created to do that. So how are, how would the average person do it? How would the average guy who's just writing, a single guy writing a book about this time it's different do it? And when you look back in time, it's, that's my point. We, I can't sleep at night reading a book that somebody says this time it's different, but they don't have to have any evidence, right? Other than like the Harry Dent thing, other than reiterating what's already the facts of what's going on. Technology is expanding, right? The internet has changed the way we communicate. But that doesn't translate into the, necessarily into economic returns over the next 20 years. And that's very hard because a lot of that is based upon unpredictable factors. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, now, they were making cases that stocks at that time, when things are good, the, the, this time it's different, usually pops up with, why should you pay double the normal price? Right. Why, why should you keep on buying? When it's, when it's, when it's a negative, uh, or pessimistic view, it's why should you not even pay what the normal price should be? Why shouldn't you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You shouldn't even be paying five times earnings because depending on how we look at it and all that kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately, it's 
the evidence doesn't I, I can't sleep at night with those types of strategies or recommending them because when I, I feel compelled to have to look at the evidence and look at the track records and they don't have it um, still to this very day is as far as everything I can find the best approach is one that's ultimately very diversified very tax efficient very cost effective and extremely disciplined in a nature of rebalancing and sticking to it right. and making adjustments Consistently and gradually over time as your situation is changing. Um, but outside of that, making dramatic moves to try to time sectors or segments does not seem a profitable venture to me for real money. It can be something, like I said, for fun or you talk about stocks where it's like, hey, I'm going to set a certain side, a part of my portfolio aside and I'm going to treat it like I do when I'm in the casino. Hey, I'm willing to lose this in the, in the hopes that maybe I can win really big. Mm-hmm. Um, with some of that, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I have to say about that, Ethan. I like it. I think you're right on. Did I nail it? I think so. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Hammer that one. Nice. Okay. What else do you want to talk about? Well, I, I got a little something. You ready for this? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you know, uh, this year we have um, you know the, the tax. What the tax rates are for 2012, we all well pretty aware of that. Um, namely, capital gains are, are uh, long-term capital gains anyway are at 15 percent. Yeah, yeah. And we know that um, the highest income bracket currently is 35 percent. And there's been some talk, uh, a lot of talk, maybe too much talk, <laughs> about <laughs> tax rates going up next year in 2013, uh, which seems more and more likely as uh, as time goes on here. Um, I guess if if nothing is done whatsoever, there'll be an automatic sunset. Of some of the Bush era tax cuts, and I thought we could briefly talk about that. Yeah, let's talk. Okay. So, just talking about tax brackets for a moment. Um, um, those are scheduled to go up if nothing is done by Congress uh, by the end of the year, or I guess they could do something retroactively in, in uh, 2013. Let's get retro on this, possible. But anyway, if nothing's done, we have a, a, a bit of expansion of the bracket. So, currently, there's a there are six tax brackets, 10%, 15%, 25 28 33 and 35%. If nothing's done to change this, um, those will be gone, and they'll be replaced with uh, a 15% bracket, a 28% bracket, uh, a 31% bracket, 36 and then 39.6 will be the new highest bracket. So these are actually pretty significant increases that are, are on the horizon. Um, and, and it also happens to be the case where... Um, Capital gains rates would also go up. They'd go from 15 to 20 percent if, again, if nothing's done, uh, which is a pretty large increase. Yeah, boo. I agree. No one likes more taxes. No one likes more taxes. But what this is creating is a very unique opportunity or a unique set of circumstances where. Well, you know, it's, can I add something to that? I'm, I'm on a roll here. Hang on. Oh, okay, no, go ahead. Never mind. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Well, I, I was, in regard to your thing about capital gains rates going up. Yeah, yeah. Um, along with the, the care thing here, the uh, Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Uh-huh. I don't know if you knew this, but part of that um, is an additional um, 3.8% Medicare tax on net investment income. What? You're stealing is my... You, is yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That. Go ahead. I was setting the stage for uh, even bigger impact. With All that. right. No, sorry, can, dude. You can let the cat out of the bag here if you no, want go to ahead. talk about that first if you want. No. I, go ahead. All right. No, I'm just kidding around. So that's on top of, uh, Ken, there's also a... Uh, a tax that's due to come into effect in 2013 called the Unearned Income Medicare Contribution Tax of 3.8%. That's in addition to these the expansion of the current tax bracket. So uh, effectively, if you qual- if you are affected by this new income tax, 
unearned income Medicare contribution tax. By the way, these rates will apply to the lesser of uh, what they're calling net investment income on AGI on amounts over $250,000 if you're married filing jointly or $200,000 if you're just single. Um, so basically, if you have any income from your investments, those will be, ta- those will be taxed at the additional rate of 3.88% um, on automatically if you have income just from any source uh, above those numbers I just mentioned, 250 and 200000 So effectively, the rates will be if you have if you are affected by the uh, the new Medicare tax, the tax rates for you will be get this it goes up quite a bit. Eighteen point eight percent will be the lowest bracket. Thirty one point eight percent is the next bracket. Thirty four point eight is the next bracket. Thirty nine point eight is the next bracket, and then forty three point four percent is the top new bracket. So the top new bracket is expanding if you include this Medicare tax by twenty four percent. The twenty four percent increase over two thousand and twelve tax brackets. Pretty incredible. So what does this mean? There's some uh, things, anything we can do? Well, the, the main thing that I think comes out of all this is that um, it may be wise to accelerate income. So if you have a way to realize income in 2012 and play, pay currently 2012 tax rates on that income relative to future tax rates, which are going to be higher, then it might make some sense. So if you have lots of long-term capital gains, you know you're going to need some money next year. Rather than paying, waiting and paying the 23.8% tax, uh, capital gains tax, maybe you want to realize it this year and pay only the 15% tax. Your thoughts? Is there any, any possibility that they could, uh, Congress could, and, uh, could get through something to not have that go into full effect? Yes, uh, there's two separate like issues. 15 to 20%. Yeah. There, yeah, there, this possible. Um, although today it really does seem, Unlikely, just based on the the fact of the uh, the current economic situation our country's in with deficits, and also how difficult it is to get anything through Congress right now. Yeah, vis-a-vis, no one has a, a supermajority to to get things through. So, uh, the most likely scenario currently is that nothing gets done, and this is the new tax situation going through going into next year. In any case, the uh, unearned income Medicare contribution tax is separate from the income tax bracket. That's already set to go into effect right. um, and is different from um, the sunset rules uh, vis-a-vis the, the Bush era tax cuts. Well, I like what you're saying uh, about planning. If you would, you would definitely want to be smart about that. Like say you had a concentrated stock position, yeah. um, and a lot of times we encourage that paying the tax is a known risk that can be calculated and estimated in the cost of the right. gain that you had in that. Being undiversified and having a stock that could potentially go to zero is a catastrophic risk that is unknown, right? right. Um, no matter how you want to model that, I mean, you can capture most of the occurrences or volatility and all the statistical things I've seen, um, but if you don't hedge out that risk, and eventually it makes sense to diversify it, um, it might be a good time to take a look at that. I really think so. Yeah. Um, if you happen to be a person who has uh, lost carry forwards and also has uh, a lot of unrealized gains in a, in a, in a taxable portfolio, um, it may not be a good strategy to accelerate those just because you have losses carry forward and those don't go away. Right. Um, although now losses uh, that can be realized this year are even more valuable than in years past. Yeah, all the tax loss work that we've done. Yeah. becomes even more valuable the more and more the tax rates go up. That's correct. Um, you should pat yourself on the back for that work. I think so. Good work. 
So just interesting tax news out there. Um, oh, by the way, uh, IRA distributions. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's glad to be here. Uh, IRA distributions, municipal bond interest, and the sale of principal residence are excluded from the definition of net investment income. So those things don't don't won't be impacted by this. Uh, oh, that's good. At least the the Medicare tax anyway. All right, Ethan. Well, in the last few seconds, if you want to contact us uh, throughout the week here at Empirical, you can dial one eight hundred. 923-4307, ask for Ken or Ethan. We'd love to talk to you about your personal situation or if you have some questions or things you want us to address off the air, we'd be happy to do that. You can send me an email at ksmith at empiricalfs.com, ksmith at empiricalfs.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week, next Thursday, same time. Have a great week. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. you've enjoyed empirical investing radio with ken smith and ethan broga please join us again next thursday afternoon at 5 p.m eastern time and 2 p.m pacific time on the voice america business channel and for more information about empirical investing radio please call 800-923-4307 we'll see you next week